the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus would say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door through which the sheep can go. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And then he would say, if you don't get it, I am the resurrection and the life. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. That's what God was saying when he would say, I am. But he didn't stop there. He uses a word that is the word that's used throughout the rest of Scripture, primarily to describe God. It's the most common word we use when we talk about Jesus in our life. He said, I am the Lord. (laughs) I'm the master. I'm the boss. Everything ends up and me. It's all about me. In fact, that word was so special to the Hebrews that they wouldn't even write it out in its entirety. They would take out the vowels and just put the consonants, the letters. We pronounce that the best we can, Yahweh. For many centuries, because they wouldn't say Yahweh, they would write over it when they wrote it out, the word Jehovah. And so when we think of the Lord, we think of Jehovah. And so we say he is the Lord Almighty. He's El Shaddai. We say he is El Elon, the Most High God. We say he is our Lord Master, Adonai. We say he is the Lord, my banner, Jehovah Nisi. We say he's the Lord, my shepherd, Jehovah Ra'ah. We say he's the Lord that heals, Jehovah Rapha. We say the Lord is there. He's Jehovah Shammah. We say the Lord is our righteousness. He's Jehovah Sudoku. We say the Lord is the one who sanctifies us. He's Jehovah Makoda Shikam. We say he's the everlasting. God, El Olami. We say he is the Lord who will provide. Jehovah Jireh. We say he's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is peace. We say he's the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shabbat. We say he is Lord Jehovah. He's Yahweh. Do you understand that, church? We need to know God for who he is. Because when you understand that that kind of God is with you and that he has a future for you and that he wants to be known by you, you begin to push aside, push aside excuses. Who am I, God? Who are you, God? Well, he got his answers, but he wasn't done with his excuses. His next one is one we can all relate to. What if, have you ever used that excuse? Well, God, I tell you, I want to do, I want to share my faith with these people, but what if they reject me? What if they stop talking to me? 
God, I want to be faithful in giving. I, I can't get away from that in, in your word. I know I'm never more like Jesus than when I give, when I'm generous. And, and yet, God, have you seen my bank account? What if it doesn't all work out? God, I know, I know I should prioritize your church and I should be faithful in my attendance and in my service of that. But have you seen my schedule? Well, what, what if I can't get everything done? And we use that excuse. It's, it's the favorite excuse of the worry wart. And we use that excuse to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. And we miss out. We miss out on God's best. Turn to chapter 4, look at verse 1. Then Moses answered, but behold. Now that's the ESV, most other translations translate it, what if. The Hebrew would translate it, what if. What if they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say to me, the Lord does not appear to you. And then notice what it says. The Lord said to him, this name he just gave him, we're introduced to that name Yahweh in the last chapter. We're going to now hear it throughout the Bible. The Lord said to him, What's in your hand? He said, a staff. And some of you remember what happens. He says, throw that staff, that big stick that a shepherd would use, throw that on the ground. And he did. And when he did, it became a, a serpent, a snake. And then he said, pick it up by the tail. And when he picked it up, it, it became his staff again. And, and then the Lord said, but if that's not enough, stick your hand inside your coat, your cloak. And he did. And when he pulled it out, it was filled with leprosy. And he said, no, now stick it back in. And when he pulled it out, the leprosy was gone. It's amazing. You need to read that chapter. Well, what is God saying? God's saying, hey, Moses, I'm not surprised by your what if questions. I, I can handle your what if questions. But you've got to listen to the answer. And the answer is found in your hand. You see, I think God was in that bush and he was just shaking his head. I mean, is this guy ever going to get it? He's the only person in human history that I've appeared to through a burning bush. And now he's still questioning me and asking, what if? God was shaking his head. But, but I think Moses was shaking in his sandals. I think he was afraid. And I think some of you are afraid. The what ifs of life have paralyzed you. And when we're overwhelmed with fear, that means we're underwhelmed with God. We've forgotten what we've just asked him. Who are you? But God wasn't stumped. And so he said, what's in your hand? And we'll come back to this as we close in a moment. But I want you to think about what's in your hand. Because what Moses was being taught is that if God calls you, he's going to equip you. If God asks you to do something, he's going to give you the ability to do it. You just have to decide, am I going to be obedient? Who am I? Who are you? What if? Well, God answered all his questions so now he just gets blunt. And Moses says, well, bottom line, God, I can't. And here's a question that gets you prepared for some public responding. How many of you have ever felt like God wanted you to do something, but in your heart, 
you thought, I can't do that. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that way. <laughs> okay, look around. You should be in good company. And a few people who are lying because every person who has ever breathed breath has had those moments unless they're totally thumbing their nose and flipping the bird to God. Because if you are a follower of God, you've had moments that caused a faith crisis where you wondered, can I do this? Look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant. Well, that's kind of funny because it couldn't have been 10 minutes so far since he first spoke to him. But Moses is saying, I'm slow of speech and of tongue. And then the Lord said to him, uh, who made your mouth? Who makes people mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth. <laughs> That's funny to me. And I, as I've read this several times and even in the last service, it's more funny to me now that he said that after he's already told Moses, I'm going to be with you. Now he's having to say, I'm not just with you. I'll be with your mouth. Okay. Is that enough? And I'll teach you what you should speak. His first response was frustration. Do you know who made your mouth, Moses? You can hear that in God's tone. It's like he's saying, Moses, you're being irreverent. And Moses, you're being irrelevant. And some of you, some of us, as we make excuses, we're being irreverent and we're being irrelevant. We're saying, no, God, I can't do that. I can't be obedient in this way. And that is irreverent. But when we do that, we're also being irrelevant because God is never going to ask us to do something we can't do. That's not the way he works. God knows you're unable, but he's able now, what about this speech thing? What's going on with Moses? Well, we don't know. And I think it's kind of like Paul's thorn in the side. It's a good thing we don't know because then we'd say, well, I've got the exact thing the apostle Paul had. I can't do it. And so we don't know, was this psychological? Did he have stage fright? Was it physical? Did he have a speech impediment? Was it vocal? Was he hoarse from calling the sheep all the last 40 years? I don't know. But he didn't feel like he could do it. He felt like he had a disability and yet God said, when you bring your disability to me, I'll deliver you and give you ability. And some of us need to understand that. And I want to illustrate that by helping you recognize that everybody can understand that. Some of you know that our eight-year-old, when she was three-year-olds, was adopted into our family. She was born blind. Most days... When I pray with her, I pray for the healing from her blindness. Every time that I do that, she's respectful. But when we finish the prayer, she looks at me and says, Dad, I don't want to be healed. <laughs> now, the reason for that is not disrespecting God. It's because that's all she's ever known. And it doesn't bother her. She's aware she's different, but she's okay with it. So this morning I was reviewing this message and before I left the house to come to church, I, I went in and spent a moment with her and I said, 
Naya, you know what dad's going to talk about today? And she said, no, what? I said, about Moses. And I said, let me tell you a funny thing that happened with Moses. God asked Moses to do something, and, and he said, I can't because I don't talk good. And I said, and I, you know what God said to Moses? She said, no, what? I said, he said, Moses, who do you think made your mouth? And Anaya just started laughing. She thought that was funny. And I said, you know what it says right after that in the Bible? She says, what? I says, God then says, Moses, I didn't just make your mouth. Those people that can't speak, I made their mouths. Those people that can't hear, I made their ears. Those people that can't see, I made their eyes. And I, I use them for my glory to do what I want them to do. We know this from the New Testament because when, when the people come to Jesus, when they see a blind man and, and they see Jesus, who sinned to make this guy blind? And, and Jesus said, did you just... Uh, what's wrong with you? Did you just fall down and bust your head? Nobody sinned. He was born this way. I created him this way. But that doesn't mean that I can't use him for my glory. And I shared that with Anaya. I think she got it. I think you can understand that at eight years old. That no matter how you may think you're disabled, we have a God who is able. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Well, he's got one more thing. Excuse number five. God, somebody else can do this better. (laughs) Our church, the American church, the church around the world, we're eat up with this. We think somebody else can do it. And guess what? It's not getting done. Whether that means a a greeter in the parking lot or at the front door of the church, or whether that means a teacher for children or or for students or for adults, or, or, or whether that means someone to work with our technology or people to play in the band, When people who are equipped to do it say, let somebody else do it, it doesn't get done. And it doesn't make God happy. Look at verse 13. But he, Moses, said, oh, Lord, please send somebody else. Anybody, just not me. Look at verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he introduces us to what we know is going to happen. He says, I know you got a a brother named Aaron. He's a Levite. Go get him. I'm going to get this done. So what I said wasn't exactly true. Sometimes when you don't do it, It's so important to God that he's just going to move past you. 
and you miss out on the God moment. Did Moses get his way? I don't think so. You know why? Because he incurred the anger of God. Do you believe God can get angry? I do. Scripture teaches that when we're disobedient, we call that sin. It angers the heart of God. We're not going to read it, but if you read the rest of this chapter, when you see that Moses goes to his father-in-law and he begins to assemble his family to go do what God's told him to do when he connects with Aaron, an interesting thing takes place. And if you just read the highlight reel like we're doing on Sunday morning, you miss it. But here's what it says. God almost killed Moses. And it just keeps moving along. And so we don't, we don't hear much about that. We don't really know what that even means. We don't know, did he get violently sick? Did bandits come? Did God you know, threaten to strike him with a lightning bolt? We don't know. But we know that when we don't do what God wants us to do, it invokes his wrath. Why is that such a big deal? Remember what I told you the first week? God is on the move. Say that. Say God is on the move. Yeah. I I think this is such a big deal because God is always moving. And he demands that those who say they are following him seek after him and get in on what they're doing. So he doesn't like our excuses very much. I'm too young. I'm too old. I've got too many kids. I don't have kids. I don't have my resources. I'm having to work too much. My kids are in sports. My kids are in dance. God, I can't give you my best. It doesn't matter. He does not like our excuses. So let me give you five questions to just help you fight excuses. I'm going to fly through these. So get them down. Number one, do you know who you are? Do you see yourself as an image bearer of God? Because that's the beginning point for some of you. If you've got a relationship with God, you need to understand you're bearing his image. And so how you live out your life, it doesn't just reflect poorly on you. You're giving a bad demonstration of God. Know who you are. Number two, you know who God is? We have a couple services in our church. And I'll be honest, my amen crowd is the smaller crowd. So our first service, man, when I was going through those names of God, there was like, amen, hallelujah. I mean, people are clapping. You guys are just ready for lunch and you're still not quite awake. And I I don't know how to help you do this, but I would just say Google list of the names of God and just focus on that for a minute or two and see if that doesn't light your fire. Because if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. Because when I get to know God, it pushes away the excuses. Number three, what's in your hands? What has God already given you to help you do what he wants you to do? Now, let me start with an easy one. He's given us the word. So we've already got revealed to us what God wants us to do. Use it. Dust it off. 
Bring it to church to see if what I'm saying is true. But he's also giving you talents. He's giving you passions. He's giving you ways you can make a difference. That list I went through, whether it's musical or administrative or just using your personality or using your teaching skills or, or whatever it is, he's giving you something to make a difference in his church and in this world. What's in your hands? Next. What disability? What disability has God given you that you can trust with his ability? So we've all got those two. You may be shy. Your memory may be bad. You may not like to talk to other people. You may be introverted. I don't know. We could go on and on. But, but where in your life do you need to say, God, I don't feel able, but I'm going to stop making an excuse. I don't know how my budget's going to work, but I'm going to be faithfully giving. I don't know if these people will respond to my witness, but I'm going to tell them about you. I don't know, I don't know what's going on with my kids, but I'm going to recognize that I need to prioritize church in their life and trust you that you say, when I train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. What do you need to give to God? Finally, are you willing to face the anger of God? <laughs> That's what it comes down to. B.J. Miller said it's a great deal easier to do that which God gives us to do no matter how hard it is than to face the responsibility of not doing it. Let me say that again in a different way. The cost of obedience, no matter how high it is, is still lower than the cost of disobedience. Well, there's only one day, only one way that you will have to face the forever wrath of God. You know what that is? It's if you reject Jesus. That's the only way any person alive will face the never-ending wrath of God. Because God doesn't want you to experience his wrath. He is a God who can get angry, but he doesn't want you to experience his wrath. That's why in the Bible we're taught a word. In English it's the word propitiation. We're taught that Jesus was the propitiation for our sin. Now, sin is anything we do that separates us from God. The good things we don't do, the bad things we do do. And the Bible says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. What is propitiation? It means to take on the wrath of God. Do you get that? When Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't just dying so that you could go to heaven and not go to hell. He took on the wrath of God. That's why it was so painful physically because he was 100% God, but he was 100% man. That's why the whole earth, the Bible says, got dark and historians record that. That's why the veil in the temple was torn from the top because the world was encountering the anger of God as all of the anger towards sin was poured out on Jesus so that it doesn't have to be poured out on you. Jesus did die from the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave and he lives today. And when you understand what he did for your sin and my sin, when you trust him with forever life, you don't have to experience his wrath. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. Unless you've tuned me out, that means you're now without excuse. Because you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And if something tragic were to happen, as it regularly does in our community, and your life were to end today, if you've rejected Jesus, 
you will spend your eternity encountering the wrath of God. (laughs) I love Moses because he points me to Jesus. What he told, what God told him in chapter three was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus did come down and he does deliver us. So let me ask you, have you met the God of the burning bush? Are you responding well to the God moments in your life? What is it God's asking you to do? You already know it. Yeah, I can't tell you that. I think you know it. What does he want you to do? Where is he asking you to go? And are you going to keep making excuses? Let's bow our heads. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.